0: Welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast on yet another fantastic day in London. Every time we do a podcast, we seem to have this absolutely fantastic weather. The doors open overlooking the River Thames. Wonderful. We have one of our own with us today. And she's also building up a reputation as a broadcaster on the BBC as well, so that's all good. But uh, we're looking forward to talking to Lee McKenzie today. Yes, who's our, our regular contributor to our website after each Grand Prix. So she's on her way from Bahrain to Barcelona via Chelsea Wharf in London. Welcome, Lee.
1: Thank you very much for having me back. It's always a pleasure.
0: Good. It is for us, too. Let's dive straight in to uh, what is one of the big topics of the moment, and that is the rivalry between Lewis and Nico. Um, who's winding who up and why and what's going on? I mean, um, Nico looks like a beaten man. Yes, no?
1: Yeah, it's Interesting. I would hope there would be a little bit more rivalry than there actually has been this year. We could always rely on Nico uh, on the Saturdays, and that just hasn't been the case at all this year. You know, he, he got a trophy. The only trophy, sadly, for him last year was uh, the pole winner's trophy, and Lewis has beaten him hands down every yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Um, but I thought his comments after the Chinese Grand Prix were just a little bit odd. You'd have to imagine that he absolutely believed what he said about Lewis trying to back him up into Sebastian, but when he hadn't lost that second position to Sebastian, there was no hard evidence for journalists or the general public to see. Maybe they have data which suggests otherwise, but I just thought it was a really odd thing to come out with at that time, and I don't think it did him any favours. He sounded as if he was just clutching at straws yeah. by that point. But even in Australia, he came out with on Saturday after qualifying that um, Lewis had qualified like a world champion, which at the time I thought, well, maybe he's trying to fire himself up and then if he can beat this fabulous world champion, then that, you know, psychologically is he even stronger. But I, I just I don't oh. quite understand. It's, it's, he's overthinking everything, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that uh, struck me in China was... And, and Lewis is perfectly entitled as race leader to drive at whatever speed he likes. And if the bloke behind catches him and passes him, that's, that's his own lookout. I mean, Nico wasn't able to do that and no. kept going on about not being able to get close enough and blah, blah, blah. Max Verstappen didn't have any problem passing people, did he?
1: That's true.
3: Have you seen a change in Lewis at all in the last few months? He seems just so assured at the moment, full of that confidence you'd, you'd get from winning so many races.
1: Yeah, he... He's coming across as someone who, whether you see him on a celebrity chat show programme or in an interview in the paddock, he has got so much confidence. Now, whether he is just using this momentum to be even more uh, dominating and incredible or whether Nico's resolve has gone... I'm not quite sure, but Nico fought back in Bahrain. Nico was much stronger in Bahrain, so whether he needed um, to stoke up a little fire in China to sort of stoke up a fire within himself again, I don't know, but it's quite a detrimental way of working. It's it's something that we sometimes saw from Mark Webber, actually, when he was in the heat of a battle um, against Sebastian Vettel. Sometimes Mark needed to cause a little bit of mischief to get himself back on track, and I'm not quite sure if it's that sort of same way of thinking. OK.
0: Well, time will tell, won't it? Uh, we're only, what, four races in, are we? Four races in. Four races in. Races in. But he looks,
3: he looks in trouble to me, because, I mean, he's, he's got to beat him at some point in the next couple of races, if he's going to stand any chance of actually mm. doing what he did last year and taking the fight to him. Mm. It's, it's just looking like... It doesn't look like he's got it in him, in him at the moment. But he's
1: got to beat him. He's also got to beat Sebastian Vettel at the moment, and mm. because I thought it was really odd after the Bahrain qualifying when Nico said that he didn't see... What I said about, and Sebastian, it's not just Lewis in front of you, it's Sebastian as well. And he said, Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Well, why did, it, why did he not see that coming? I just thought that was honest, naive. I'm not mm. quite sure, but it was a really odd thing to say.
3: He's amazingly honest, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's mm. abs- he's really? not too honest. Yeah,
1: too <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, actually, he looks like a man with something else on his mind to me. He looks. Very slightly distracted by something. I don't know what well, he is about to become a father. Well, in I, well, as well maybe. I, I mean, but Lewis is on fire, isn't he? I he mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: he's on a different level. Yeah,
3: I wonder if the the sports personality win has had an influence on him at all because he's that recognition of the public, the acceptance of the yes. public. He never really had that fully before, and maybe he has now. I don't know if that's. Yeah. A factor. Maybe it's mayb- maybe yeah. it's not
0: f- maybe it's something to do with the um Nicole situation, the Scherzinger situation. Maybe because that's all kind of out the way.
1: Yeah. I just think if you bring a dog onto a red carpet, you're going to win an award. <laughs> and, uh, do you know what, actually, I, I, that night, because I was hosting the red carpet, the pre-one-hour show, and afterwards, Rory McIlroy's family said, next year, we're going to turn up with a pack of hounds. <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> he was, like, so absolutely sure that it was Roscoe that had won Sports Personality of the Year and not Lewis. So. But I was in Monza on Friday, and, uh, and Roscoe was there toddling around as well, which was lovely. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, that's the perfect relationship, I think, Lewis and his dog.
0: Oh, for, for those of you who are not familiar with the BBC Sports Personality of the Year, Mr. Hamilton took his dog, Roscoe, mm. to the ceremony. Good, okay. Um, surprises this year, Ferrari, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, what have they done over the winter? Do you know exactly? I, I mean, there are stories that they, they, uh, they did a lot of this work in England. They, they got some of the carbon fibre dub- done in England, some of the engine management Rather than in, rather than in Italy as previously.
1: Well, I think they gave up on that car pretty early last oh, yeah. season as well, and then were able just to purely concentrate on on, on this year. Um, I think James Allison's been just fantastic, and although he says um, that there's not much on the car this year that's actually his own work. I think he's being incredibly humble. And when I was coming back from Mons on Friday, he was uh, coming back on the same Milan flight as well. And um, I think there's just a huge amount of respect for him within that team. And even at the end of last year, that just seemed an absolute disarray. And then new team bosses coming in to the point that Sebastian, I can't imagine, was sure who on earth he'd signed for or who with. Um, And and all of a sudden, for them to, you know, they they were there or thereabouts in pre-season testing, but quite often are. And then you get to Australia, a, a grande casino, as they would say, and, um, and and they were fantastic, and they've been consistent throughout. I think, as a team, the the amount of work that they've done over the winter, but sort of the second half of last year and over the winter, has been incredible to turn that round.
3: I mean, they had a lot, uh, a lot to find. Yeah, I mean, they did. So, I mean, to to come from where they were to here is is. I think it's a testament to Alison really, you know. Um, Mark Hughes has written a piece for our next issue out this week, of course. Um, and he's he talks about the Ross Braun influence that Alison worked with Ross Braun for a long time. And for me he's that kind of character who galvanizes a team and gets them working in the right direction, helps each department focus and sees the bigger picture as well. And I think, you know, he's not physically doing every every job in the in the in the factory. It doesn't that's not he's not not, not there for, but he's there organizing things and getting things working in the right way and this is the result, I think.
2: <coughs> and the other thing, of course, is that they knew what was wrong, or they knew several of the things that were wrong with last year's car, but, of course, the regulations didn't allow them to remedy them. So, you know, once they got round to developing the 2015 engine, they were, you know, they, they knew where to go straight away, and, they, they, you know, it's, uh, and <coughs> the evidence has been manifested.
3: And I guess from... Um our perspective of hoping for good races this year we're relying on Ferrari quite a bit now by the looks of it yeah Um, we do I mean from race to race we're not going to know what we what we've got until we get there really in terms of how the tyres are performing and the very the characteristics of that Ferrari which which at least gives us something to to cling on to otherwise it'd be a Mm. Mercedes walkover
0: I think it's just great to see them back at the front isn't it yeah I mean I'm a bit of a Ferrari fan actually I could just I mean I, I like the whole Italian thing and they make nice cars and you know it's great i think it's good for motor racing don't
1: you but i think also um, we shouldn't underestimate the effect that sebastian has had within the team as well and um publicly and privately the team are saying how nice it is to have someone with that really positive attitude to be in there and and galvanizing people and spurring them on as opposed to sort of making mischief in the background, which might have ha- been happening when, when Fernando was there. Um, you know, I'm not doubting that he wanted to win with that team at all. You know, that's, that's what he's there for. But Sebastian has a very different approach yeah. and it's, it's worked very well for him because it's making him seem a, a better racer and answering yeah. any critics that he, he may have had as well.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, pl- I'm pleased to see that because I think Seb's had a very hard time unjustly. Over over the years, people haven't given him the credit that he was that he was due, yeah. and I'm I'm pleased to see that in this situation, people are actually oh actually, I mean why people forget how good he was in the Toro Rosso yeah. at the end of 2008, um, and it, well and even you know, flashes in the end of 2007 as well. Um, I think you know it's nice to see that the wider public are
3: actually giving him some credit at last. What was he like to deal with last year, given the hard time he was having?
1: Well. He wasn't. I have, I have a good relationship with Sebastian, and he's fun. Uh, he's mischievous. He's flirtatious in interviews, which gets everyone into trouble. But he's quite he's clever. He knows exactly what he's doing. And last year we didn't see that at all. I did a nice uh, sit down piece with him at Silverstone, and he was just, I don't know, tired is the way I would describe it. Mm-hmm. And then I spoke to him for quite a while in Malaysia, and. Um, he just said that he was really happy last year, you know, uh, more often than not, because he he wasn't understanding probably why Daniel was beating him, um, why he couldn't suddenly get the best out of the car, so he doubted himself. There's a story that um, between uh, Bahrain and Barcelona, Mm -hmm. he got in a, well, glorified transit van and and went off and went to Kerpen and went karting Mm -hmm. and just needed to sort of go go karting and find himself and and try and enjoy motor racing. And when I interviewed him in Silverstone last year, I found a quote because i was doing wimbledon as well and i found a a roger federer quote which went along the lines of you know sometimes the media and people at home need to realize that this is a dream why you started as a child you Mm. just actually want to go out and Mm. enjoy it and Mm. even the bad times they're not bad are they and i I printed this quote out and i gave it to him and he he was really touched he was you thought of me when you read this and roger federer said (laughs) this i was like yeah don't take this the wrong way it's just a piece of a4 with some (laughs) words on it and um and but that's exactly what it was and But you need to have, and when I interviewed Lewis and Sebastian together, you need to have, as far as Lewis was saying, that sort of difficult time to really appreciate it when it comes good again. And Sebastian had had four fantastic years. Well, Lewis had gone from 2008 to 2014 before he won a championship again, and, and he said he just appreciated it so much better. So maybe that's why Sebastian's better this year as well, because he hadn't had a really tough time before in Formula One. No, he hadn't.
0: That was a wonderful interview you did with Vettel and Hamilton for the BBC, yeah. may I say so?
1: Thank you very much, so we we're, were both on very good form.
0: Great TV and we should have much more of that, <laughs> yes. that, that so it's not a compliment, it's a challenge.
1: Okay, <laughs> right, well let me see who I can get.
0: Okay, um, Max Verstappen, Yes. now not really under the category of surprise but even so, quite an eye-opener isn't he?
1: It is, but I think a lot of people carry big reputations and then they come in and they might not have the tools to deliver mm. or they might get you know unstuck in situations. And even when he doesn't finish a race, it doesn't seem to matter because from the very first moment, he will prove himself. Mm. And I think and he's just such a lovely person to deal with. <laughs> he always has Yoss in the background as well over his shoulder. But when I spoke to him after Malaysia, when we'd had that... Um, delay because of the rains and then i think he went and qualified sixth was it yeah and i I asked him you know sort of how do you prepare for this and he said well i watched loads of old videos of racing in the rain in malaysia and you think god you're young enough to be at school and you're treating formula one (laughs) like it's a school project you know he's studying things and he's and, and that's what he does, he comes to the races, he does the work at the races, he flies straight back home and then he absolutely prepares, there's no distractions, he's not in that sort of category where he's going off and doing modelling shoots or chat shows or anything quite at this moment, so he can t- you know, treat it yeah. as a project yeah. and, and he's doing that, he's really doing the hard work but he's, he's just lovely to deal with and he's incredible isn't he? He's, oh, he's just so but I'm, I'm delighted for him and also for Carlos Sainz Jr who I think's been doing a really yeah. good job on a Saturday um well and Sundays they've both been let down by the Toro Rosso but the fact that they've got a car that's able to let them show what they can do okay you know it's been difficult with reliability on a Sunday mm. but there's enough mm. uh, glimpses of of progress and hope that they mm. can show something special I think
3: Sainz I mean I think it's been very impressive because y- who would really want to be Carlos Sainz this year coming into that team with mm. Max Verstappen, the reputation he's got, and all the yeah. rest of it. He's done really well, actually, to deal with it.
1: But yeah. in some ways, he's got uh, nothing to lose, because if he out-qualifies or beats Max, then surely his star is shining brighter. I think yeah. it, there was that time where we thought that Daniel Ricciardo and jean eric Verne, that was a big inter-team battle to get to Red Bull, and, and they were sort of slogging it out to show how good they were. But I, what I hope doesn't happen is, if, you know, say, Max gets a Red Bull seat or something, you don't want Carlos Sainz to go off into the... The depths of, of sort of nothingness, or mm-hmm. become a third driver for someone, because I think that's where Red Bull have been great at bringing young talent through. But the ones that maybe aren't quite good enough to get to Red Bull, they're just discarded. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that's a shame, because I don't think a, a Verne is necessarily a bad driver. And I hope whoever you know, loses out in that inter team battle doesn't just go off and, and go into sort of be a, a third driver. <coughs> or
2: something. I, know, I know what you mean about the Red Bull scheme being fairly brutal if you're not. Mm quite good enough, but they do, I mean with the case like say Bohemi and um, Al Ghoshwari, I mean between them, they, they had done 100 Grand Prix's between them by the time they were yeah, a collective age of 44, so they'd been given a fantastic opportunity. They had. To, to that I mean, but I mean you are right, you, it's, they are only accepting you know, the creme de la creme.
1: But I think Al and Bohemi were, were maybe different in that n- neither of them alongside each other were, were sparkling too much, whereas Verne and, and Ricardo, I think mm. Verne actually finished that championship season off with just marginally less points than mm. Ricardo, so, yeah, you know, I mean, that's quite tough. But but in this instance, all I mean is I think that they're both, we're, we're always talking about Max Verstappen, and quite rightly so, um, but I don't think Carlos is doing a, a bad job at all either, and I think he should be given almost the same amount of respect, because if, if Max wasn't there, we'd be, you know, sort of hailing him as the next great thing.
2: No, I mean, I, I agree, and I think it's, it's also quite interesting, because... You know, his track record the last couple of three seasons, apart from winning Renault 3.5 last year, yeah. has been a bit patchy. Mm. But Red Bull have always maintained that when he, whenever he's been in the F1 car, he's looked it's really, strange. really good. Yeah. And and it was only a sort of freak set of circumstances kicked off by Sebastian, mm. which led yeah. to you know mm. th- there being a seat available when the music stopped. And Absolutely. I think, I think, you know... All things considered, he's done very, very well. Yeah. Let's,
0: n- let's not forget, his dad was a bit special. Yes,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm old enough to have watched his dad in Formula Ford <laughs> <Absolutely>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before he got
0: anywhere near a rally car. <laughs> okay. Um, Mana Marussia. Um, what are they doing
1: there? <laughs> You've got all old Bernie on us. Um, what are they no, doing
0: I, there? No, it's not that I don't like the guys or I don't have a good view of the team. i really mean the question i mean
1: i don't know how you um attract sponsors i think it's a very very difficult end of the grid anyway you can see that when you look at mclaren drivers walking around in white overalls with no branding on it like they're sort of wannabe stigs you know it's bizarre Mm -hmm. so then you get sauber who have finally got some sponsors and you have mana marussia with no sponsors and like i honestly don't know do they just plough on with that car and you know, get to end of year and start trying to look at a, a car for next season. I mean, it's a long old year to do that. Yep. Um, they're also not working out of the base that they had yep. as Marussia. Um, so I think they've got an incredibly tough job. I hope for their sake that they succeed. Um, when I say succeed, I mean see you out to the end of the season, sure. Um, sure. Yeah, of um, and you just have to you just have to hope that there's a bigger picture somewhere.
0: And that maybe they might score a few points, which is makes the crucial difference. So.
1: Yeah, I, sadly, I wonder if those opportunities have gone, yeah, I think because when every time everyone gets to Barcelona, they should be slightly more uh, yeah. together, shouldn't they, really? Even the back markers should yeah. be slightly more together? Um, so yeah. those, those points of the opportunistic points. You know, surely that was in Australia when only 15 cars started and, and they didn't start. Mm, yeah.
3: so. That's unlikely to happen again now, as you say.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. I mean,
2: there's, there's an outside chance in Monaco if you get a sufficient first lap chaos yep. in the middle of the field or something, but otherwise... Yeah. Yeah.
1: But don't forget when that happened last year, I think they had, um, with all due respect, I don't think Will Stevens has done a bad job, Roberto Meri is off the pace, but he's very inexperienced. Mm. But you had Jules last year who was... Mm. You know, seen as a as a real talent, mm. and he was, all, and he put himself in positions in that car to to capitalise on those points, which I'm not quite sure of. No, the drivers they have now you know, would be. They
2: haven't got the ex- th- yet got the experience. Not on the yet. No, 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 no.
3: I mean, the, the from the BBC's perspective, Will Stevens' stories must be a tricky one. British driver in Formula One, after all. But what what can you <laughs> what can you do
1: with him? It's very but difficult. I, it's, it's it's difficult even on our. I mean, I will interview him every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, which I try and interview all the drivers, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. And it, it is a difficult one. I used to do the same with Max anyway. You, know, you never know what they've got to say. And yeah. but, but it is a difficult one. It's difficult to build up uh, a story around a team which is you know, just almost attending. And I say that, I, 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 you know, it's, it's difficult because the guys running it are very nice, very committed, you know, working every hour that yeah. God gives. But you're right for what. I don't
0: know. Tricky. Um, we, you've referred to Fernando Alonso. Not, you didn't name him, but we were talking about yes. last year. Um, and we've referred to McLaren this year. Um, mm. For me, this is actually a really big, big story in many respects. I mean, no sponsors. Um, a lot of support from Honda. And mm. you'd kind of think they're going to get there, wouldn't you? I mean, why, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, it's Jensen's come back you know he got the drive how do you think Jensen's
1: feeling about um, it's not what he'd hoped for is it really no. I mean I think that promise of McLaren and Honda together again uh, was fantastic and don't they didn't just announce it you know on the last day in Abu Dhabi they've had yeah. you know yeah. months a yeah. year a couple of years to think about this yeah. And you sort of saw it not working out in pre-season testing, and then you have to hope that by you know the second test they'll be there, the third test. But it makes no sense, really. You know, I think wh- I went to the third test in Barcelona. The car did thirty-three laps. Jenson one day got in and did one hundred and one laps, and it still stopped at the end. You know, th- it still didn't stop when they wanted it to stop. it's just really bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then not to be able to start that race yeah. in it's Bahrain scary. is. Bad it's kind of unforgivable, well. really, as well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's not the right environment for McLaren to not be starting a Grand Prix, which effectively is seen as one of their home Grand Prix. Yeah. But, you know, they've just had problem after problem, whether it be Fernando Alonso's crash to, you know, the last time out. Fernando's adamant that by the time we get to Barcelona, uh, he will be in a point-scoring position. Now, you would have to say that, albeit slowly, progress has been made. Yeah. They, you know, he finished 11th in Bahrain. But, you know, you've got two former world champions fighting over possibly one point. I mean, it's just, it's, and I feel, I think, Fernando seems to get himself into the wrong place at the wrong time, time and time again. I think, what's the stat, he's six points off or eight points off being a five-time world champion. I don't know how he can go to sleep and relax at night. He obviously just has to accept that, but that is, is heartbreaking in so many it's ways. It's mind-blowing, <laughs>
2: He has got a couple, though. I mean, you know, he's got a
1: couple. Be, <laughs> it can't be that difficult. And to and sleep, I, you know, know I mean. never feel sorry for a Formula One driver, but I do think, um, yeah, I do think that he has got so much sort of unfulfilled potential. Yeah,
2: I, 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 I concur. I mean, when when he did his back-to-back, well, even before he won his back-to-back titles with Renault, you you foresaw, a, you know, a stack of world championships was just going to accumulate, and mm. yeah, as we know, it hasn't happened.
3: I mean, he's. Um we know he's good at his car tricks, and he's had years and years of practicing that poker face. <laughs> do, you, do you see any chink of frustration in him? Because he, he seems to have the a, a facade really... You
1: know. Do you know, I, I'd like to say yes, but worryingly there's not been anything, and neither from Jensen either. You don't want to see people accepting it's okay to, to not start a Grand Prix. And, uh, and when I was doing media training with a lot of young drivers, you know, I always used to say to them, don't look happy. When you when you don't finish a race or don't look delighted to be second, unless mm. you know that you've given absolutely mm. everything, and you know you you are happy to be second. But Fernando and at Jensen, I think maybe it's maturity and having won a lot of Grand Prix and things in the past. But they are accepting of a situation, so they you have to presume that they are doing absolutely everything within that team to to improve, but to not be able to start the car. I think until you know a couple of hours before the Bahrain Grand Prix, a car which didn't start on the Sunday or the Saturday or barely got going on the Saturday, that's not right.
0: But maybe they know a lot of things that we don't. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, yes. well, obviously they do know a lot of things that we don't. But and Ron Dennis has said that they they will win a Grand Prix this year. Now. Yes.
1: My, my dad once said that about McLaren, he ended up running around Silverstone naked, so yeah. no, no one make a bet, for heaven's sake. I wouldn't
3: want to see Ron do that. I, did, I didn't really want to see your dad do that no. either, but oh, I you definitely wouldn't want to see Ron me. do that.
2: <laughs> did, did, weren't you wearing a t-shirt saying, apologies, Silver, you, you, I, did, I, you had I some sort really of apology on your today. t-shirt?
1: Yeah, because I felt like the daughter and absolutely fabulous, it's just really embarrassed by the parents. <laughs> so I got a t-shirt made up that said, that, oh my godfather and then the, the charity on the back, to also make clear that this, he's not just a, a random weirdo running around <laughs> naked, <laughs> but that actually there was a charitable donation involved. But that was quite a funny story, because he had tried to... When he, what he said on, on radio was, just for anyone listening that just thinks that I come from a family of streakers, uh, he'd said on radio with Mark Webber, if McLaren won a race this year, he would do anything, and Mark Webber said to him, well, what would you do? This was on Radio 5, he said, well, I don't know, I'd run around Silverstone naked. And then Spa, (laughs) I think, did Kimi win in Spa that year? I can't remember what it was. I think it was. And and it was just horrendous. So he was going to hire Silverstone uh, (laughs) and do it on Boxing Day or Christmas Day. My Christmas Day as a kid was going to be having to watch this and I was thinking, that's not on. And then he was going to buy a dog, call it Silverstone, and, uh, no, call it naked, and run round Silverstone with naked... And this went on and on, but he knew he was absolutely done for. When uh, Max Mosley and the FIA donated to the charity, he said that was it. They knew that there was going to be no going back. And DC was meant to stop the driver's parade because it happened on the Sunday of the British Grand Prix. And Bernice, for the first time ever, set the driver's parade off early, 15 minutes (laughs) early. (laughs) Never let it
0: be said he doesn't have a sense of humour. no.
1: Poor woman had to body paint him. That's the woman I feel sorry for.
0: (laughs) Good stories. I like it. I like it a a lot. Okay. Um, But maybe we'll all be eating our words when they win the World Championship in 2016 and Alonso picks up another world title. I mean, hey, you know, um, if Honda can't get it right, who the hell can?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that Fernando has been out to... Well, I think Fernando and Jensen have been out To Japan, to see Honda, and Honda haven't been shying away from the problem. They're present and putting themselves up for interviews and things. And, you know, Japanese companies, this is the most embarrassing thing for a Japanese company. Not even to be not able to qualify, but to not start a Grand Prix is just, you know, it's not acceptable at all. So um, they will be doing absolutely everything to, to try and rectify that.
2: But they have got one hand tied behind the back because they've only got two cars. Well, last year, every other engine, engine manufacturer had at least four cars. Absolutely. Mm. Um, True. So it's in, every, in every way, it's a, you know, it's a huge uphill yeah. uphill mm. struggle.
3: Yeah. I think in terms of the people I'd least like to be in Formula One this year, in Australia, Manisha Kaltenborn. Oh, yeah. Don't want to be here. That was horrendous. But over a course of a season, yeah. Eric Boullier, being in that position there with Ron Dennis on his shoulder, that's got to be difficult, isn't it? I mean, and with, with the way things are going.
1: I think that started in uh, by the third test in Barcelona when uh, McLaren, who are the most professional of teams and everything is done uh, you know, with no expense spared. A, a piece of A4 was stuck to the motorhome saying Ron Dennis and Eric Boulier press conference regarding Fernando Alonso at 12 o'clock and uh, and it wasn't until afterwards, and it wasn't a successful press conference, to put it mildly. And then we realised that Eric Bully hadn't been there. And we were like, do you think, it, I think Ron's locked him in the office or something? Because Ron wanted to commandeer the whole thing himself. So there was no sign of Eric, which Eric probably didn't mind by the end of that at all. He was probably delighted not to have been involved in that. But even by that point, you know, the, it was meant to be the two of them. And Ron had said, no, actually, I'm going to take this one on myself.
2: Yeah. I think the, the one positive thing this year from McLaren is that Jensen's radio comments have been, have been comedy gold. I mean, he could get his own Radio 4 series on a Monday <laughs> evening at half past six. I mean, with Kimmy as a guest. But, but, I mean, that's, but that, that has been what, I mean, I've just found his attitude during races. Oh, I'm catching another car, that yeah. kind of thing. It's just yeah, been great, it is, it's just, it is lovely, yeah. It's how a kid would think, isn't
1: it? As a sort of yeah. observations of a child. Yeah. Oh my yeah.
0: goodness, <laughs> there's another car. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk a little bit about the BBC. Um for obvious reasons, Lee McKenzie.
1: Um, I've never had a fracker. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, <still> time. <coughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Where's my steak? You, you must have punched Eddie Jordan at some point, sure. Yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah. But well, what are the
3: odds on you for the job then? That's, uh, that's the question. Know. But
1: I did see a list, and I was in it, and I was very excited. I thought this is great. I'm going to screen grab this, and then I saw that Nigel Farage had a better chance, <laughs> and I thought, oh no, that's really that's actually quite humiliating. So yeah, so probably not as good as I'd hope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, Top Gear fans, what do you think? Lee McKenzie for the job? Mm, I'd like, I'd like her to stay on Formula One, actually. But anyway, there we go. Um, does um, I mean within the BBC, what's the, what's the talk about what what needs to be done to Formula One? Because obviously, it's very, you know, it's important to a broadcaster. They, they don't they don't want plummeting viewing figures. Um, and anyway. How much, we wonder, does the audience actually care about all the technology and about, you know, do we go to Monza, don't we go to Monza, Mm. is there a German Grand Prix? Let's let's start with the viewing figures.
1: Well, our viewing figures are uh, unusual globally in that they are going up race on race. We're still getting more than we got last year, um, which is fantastic. And even for our highlights races, you know, we get really yeah. good viewing figures, which in some ways you don't want because you want the viewing <laughs> figures to always be high for the live races. Um, but then I think the more races you have in a season, the, more time, the, the less time sorry, fans have to devote to you know, a free practice, one, two, oh. three, a qualifier. I mean, you've got to have a pretty understanding uh, partner <laughs> so, to suddenly hand over like, you know, 15 hours on a weekend a 20 of, times a year or something like that. And quite like a that. bit of free time. Or, well. yeah, or <laughs> so um, our, our viewing figures are actually are really strong, Good. which is which is great, you know, but it's not like that around the world. Um, and it doesn't seem... It's, it's. You know, we talk about the Lewis factor and things. It doesn't seem to... Really matter. They were strong uh, when Sebastian was winning races, yep. but the fact that they have gone up this year, you yep. would think that you know Lewis is, is a slight uh, gives people a slight interest. But then the, no one wants to see someone dominating a championship. So what happens by the time you get to long summer days and you know people do people want to sit down and watch the Hungarian Grand Prix to watch Lewis win again? Maybe not. So so much of it depends on other sporting occasions, sunny days, and uh, and yep. that's what stage you're at in the championship. Yep.
3: Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, obviously our audience is s- slightly smaller, mm-hmm. um, but obviously with motorsport, it's a, it's a specialist audience, who, you know, the yeah. die-hard enthusiasts, and there's a level of disenchantment that we've expressed to us on, on our website yeah. and, and in letters to, to the magazine. Um, are you getting any sort of feedback from the, from the fans? Mm-hmm.
1: You tend to get that mostly on social media, really. Um, I mean, I do think that Australia was dire. I don't know if there was any redeeming factor over that weekend, apart from the fact that the, everyone got back home safely. Um, it was it was dire from the Thursday, with the whole Sauber situation. Just, you know, you don't want to start off a season in that way, talking about negatives, and then fifteen cars starting the Grand Prix was just embarrassing. Um, and, the wo- and the reaction after that, I was quite shocked, you know, you go on thinking, okay, let's just have a look, and even after I'd written my column, it was people were saying, you know, how can you, s- I hadn't said it was a good weekend by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's also very difficult, you don't want to protect the sport in which you work, but mm. you, don't, you certainly don't want to bring it down, no. and say, you know, I've never seen such a terrible, s- you know. it's, it's, Difficult. I think year on year people seem to think that they're having, they're watching a, a bad sport. I remember, I think, was it a few years ago we had seven winners of the first seven Grand Prix? Yeah, 2012, yeah. Mm. And people were still moaning mm. that it was boring. I, I, I,
2: I, after the Spanish Grand Prix, I walked back to my hotel and some there was a punter in there who accosted me. It's in my media pass. And... Um, he said, that's all false. Yeah. And, and uh, I said, what's false? He said, well, you shouldn't have seven different winners in seven races. It's, in, it's not possible. You know, Michael Schumacher should win them or all. What, or what, yeah. you know? And he just thought, well, oh, hang on a second. It's, we're, we're going to the races not knowing what's happening. It was because of the jelly Pirelli tyres we had at the time, yeah, which, was, which, was, which was putting certain cars into certain windows at certain times. And we, it was all very varied.
1: But, but they mean, were doing what but, they were but, asked to do in yeah, fairness ab- ab- to them. Ab- yeah, you know, ab-
2: absolutely, absolutely. But as you say... You think, well, hang on a second, you've come to Spain to watch the race, you think maybe a Ferrari or a Red Bull's going to win it, and Pastor Maldonado, who normally crashes at every opportunity, has resisted fantastic pressure from Fernando Alonso and has conjured a wonderful victory, and then you've got the Williams pit after afterwards and all sorts of other dramas, and he was unhappy about it, thought the whole thing was false, and then started moaning about um, a problem with... The Porsche Super Cup race being cancelled because of wheel rims. <laughs> what was all that about? It was <laughs> <laughs> just most, most bizarre.
1: I do find it interesting when people always say that you know F1 at this time is dull, and I do have a certain amount of sympathy for that. You know, when you have races like Australia, not good. China wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination. I quite like to find out what, people, what days people are looking back to because I think a lot of that is actually age relevant. You know, if you're thinking back to the sixties, if you're old enough to remember that, if you're thinking back to Uh, You know, I was with Sterling Moss on Friday. His stories of 1955 are some of the best you've ever heard, but most people can't remember back to those days. So um, I think a lot of it is dependent on which era you come from and what Mm. you like. I'm not defending it necessarily this year. I think we've had a couple of really poor races, but it's that same thing. Do you... you you know, we had to thank Mercedes last year for letting Nico and Lewis race. Otherwise, that would have been a desperately boring season. As it happened, it was a pretty exciting season. Mm. But if they had justifiably said, you know what, let's have a number one driver, that could have been one of the most boring seasons we've ever had.
0: Yeah. It comes and goes, doesn't it? it I mean, does come, come and on, if you though. look back over there... I mean, I love it all, actually. Mm. <laughs> you know, I d- the, you get the odd boring race. Yeah,
1: okay. absolutely. But, <laughs> but w- I do think when you um, mention losing... Uh, Monza, or certainly Germany, yeah, that I f- uh, that does leave a really bad taste in my mouth because these are the circuits that, uh, c- uh, that attract proper great racing. You don't have runoff that y- you can go, yeah, you know, for yeah. 25 kilometres yeah. towards Shanghai before you actually touch a wall yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, these are the fantastic Absolutely. old classic tracks Absolutely. that bring out the best in the drivers yeah. because even if if you're not a for the drivers who aren't necessarily F1 historians, they've all seen some yeah. of the great races round Monza or Spa it, you know Germany as well i don't understand how they could not make that work if you can't make it work with the oh german yeah. four time world well, champion good. and you have got mercedes
2: and winning it winning, winning mercedes. as well and, you, and you can
1: sell out 12 times a weekend in dtm yeah you know that's and, and a strange something doesn't make thing. That sense, doesn't here, make here. sense. No. and
2: doesn't make sense and so sebastian vettel in a ferrari of all things I, know. You know. Absolutely. I mean i mean maybe in a red bull there was a bit of cynicism about mm. the marketing but vettel in a ferrari
1: Yeah,
0: Maybe you could ask Bernie these questions that (laughs) we're putting to you (laughs) um, in Barcelona. Eddie Jordan
1: Jordan did try. I think as well as uh, in the past, maybe, and Eddie put it to him, and and quite rightly so, things that happened in the past and and Bernie might have rescued them, so why not now? But also Mercedes as an international global company, especially in Germany, the the rules are so uh, tight on... You know, Mercedes can't suddenly get hand over £5 million pounds <laughs> to bail out the German Grand Prix. I mean, that's not within the good of the, the nation. So no.
2: Bernie, Bernie could hand over £100 million to bail himself out.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So why
2: can't Mercedes do that? No. That's Study that's out, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Um, uh,
0: sorry, I lost my place temporarily there. Yeah, oh, OK. You were criticising Bernie Eccleston, I believe. No, <laughs> oh, yes. No, I, no, I wasn't. Um, uh, there's a, this, this qu- we've got quite a lot of um, questions from our listeners and our readers. I mean, you're a popular woman, you are. Um, <laughs> this one comes from Muddly Talker F1, and I'm wondering if this is Murray Walker. On Twitter? But he wouldn't call himself Mudderly Talker, would he? No. no.
1: I, I'm not sure if Murray is acquainted with Twitter. I, I handed him an iPad once to do an interview with Lewis and Jensen, <laughs> and it was utter chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work, it just didn't
0: <laughs> Okay, well, Murray, Murray, if you do uh, listen to our... I'd love
1: it if it was, but I've, I'm not sure if I've ever heard simply 140 characters from Murray. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Murray, you've got Lee's number anyway. Um, the question is, if you could be Bernie for the day, what three rule changes would you bring in to improve the show? Well, this, oh, sorry, this comes from... Um, I said so, Mudley Talk.
1: It, yeah. Um, well, rule changes. I'm not sure if it would be a, a rule change, but I do miss the noise of the cars. Yeah. I, when I was a little girl and starting to go motor racing, for some reason I was always taken to Manicure because you couldn't get up to any mischief there. So basically, my father could just leave me for like days on end. And I do remember when they were starting up the cars. This is mid 90s. You would feel it under your feet, your yeah. whole body, which it would be. And yeah. that's the thing that I remembered more than anything. It was that. I, am I 12 a 12-year-old and having a heart attack? Oh no, they've just fired up a car. It was your whole body was shaking. And I don't think what we have is bad. I just think that when you go and do, um, you know, when you, if you're at a Goodwood or if you're at an event and they've got a show car or a couple of years old uh, car comes out and then you hear what it used oh. to be like, that's when you hear, because we don't hear the comparison now. We just accept what we yeah. have. So I would definitely make the cars noisier again. They sound flat, don't they? They sound flat.
2: You've Um, got got the GP2 cars coming up. They make a nice noise.
1: But do you know the worst thing about that is the GP2 race starts on a Saturday when I'm interviewing the top three drivers (laughs) at the pen. So there is the comparison, (laughs) because you can't hear the damn people who you're trying to (laughs) interview. And then you're sort of thinking, oh, it's quite nice, this Quiet Formula One. I can actually have a conversation with people. And actually, one thing that Jensen did say after the first couple of races, he wasn't exhausted. When he got out of the car, he wasn't absolutely Mm. drained and exhausted. He didn't have a throbbing head. Um, You know, he certainly felt quite good because, you know, that whole noise and everything wasn't Mm. reverberating through him. Um, so that would be one. Uh, two more. Oh, good God, what else could
0: we have? What about what? Would you do anything about the tyre situation? In the sense that it's 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 for some for some people it's incredibly complex, and you know what what tyre are they on, why are they on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't actually,
1: I think it's not, is it good to have drivers asking questions in a race about who they're racing and things? I always think that's slightly odd. Who am I racing? (laughs) Well, you're in second, and there's one man in front of you and probably, you know, 17 behind you or something. I do think the tyres should be looked at, and I also think that, I mean, was refuelling a good thing? I don't know, but I'm not quite sure about all this, you know, coast and... Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get very excited when I see a fuel graphic coming up on no. camera and because you're saying, oh my goodness, Lewis has used less fuel than Nico Rosberg. They're still going to get to the end, yeah. you, you know, unless there's five or six safety cars. I think that's, you need to have more reasons to actually be racing yeah. and overtaking and not, uh, DRS passes is another thing that sort of annoys me because as soon as we, he's in the DRS zone, well what happens in another one second time, someone else is going to be Behind you again, so you get a bit of movement on track. But is it manufactured? Well, yes, yes, it is. I think well,
3: I'd yeah. bring back a tire war.
1: Yeah. A tire war would be fantastic. Yeah, just but get I rid just of control happen, It's is
3: it? it's a bit old old school these days to do that. I don't know if it's, but if then it's possible. But I
1: wonder what did Pirelli get out of it apart from. Occasionally, a whole load of abuse from people <laughs> like yes, us. Yes, you yes. know, you've got to be quite brave to be a tyre manufacturer in Formula yeah. One when when you're the only tyre manufacturer in Formula One, because no one ever says, "Well done, Pirelli, that was fabulous." They only say, "Well, that was rubbish."
2: Yeah, it's a, that's the only time the tyre companies get any PR apart from tracks. is when something goes it's wrong. When it goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah.
0: it's the only time. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, Matthew Pope. Is, has a question which refers to the news over the weekend that PIEC has been mm. uh, yeah, ousted in a boardroom coup. Surprising news, I thought, actually, by, by, by Mr Wintercorn. Wintercorn. Um, anyway, the point of the question that Matthew sends is, is you know, do you think we'll see Audi come in now?
1: Well, there are a lot of uh, rumours, mostly started by Eddie Jordan, I, I think, <laughs> about this happening. If you speak to Alan McNish... There was just a great moment, I'm probably being very indiscreet, but we were watching Eddie uh, interviewing Bernie and Eddie and Alan are always arguing about whether Audi will come into Formula One and Alan being Mr Audi is like, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And then when Eddie asked Bernie the question and Bernie said, I'll be willing to step down if Audi would like to come in. Alan just picked up a pen and threw it across the room and sort of, ah, I know <laughs> this isn't going to happen. So whether they do or not, I don't mind, but I just can't wait to see Alan McNish's reaction when they all turn <laughs> up and he finds out he's the team principal or something because <laughs> Eddie Jordan tells him it. Um, or the ambassador. You'd have to think that it is an option and the group have got Stefano Domenicali, haven't they? Yeah, so yeah. I, I, you would think with appointments like that and then... Um, yeah, cool. stepping down. I don't know. They know. Fair but bit it would be fantastic. If, if, yeah, it'd be fantastic. I think if they did, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about Formula One is it's aligned itself now with the automotive industry mm-hmm. um, by taking this hybrid route and appealing to engine manufacturers and you know manufacturers to come back into the sport. That's why Honda, are, uh, Honda are in there, and that's why VW are closer now than they've ever been to to saying yes to it because suddenly it's relevant to them. But what it's ended up with is a, is a sport that, um, with cars that make no noise. So if, if they want to go back towards a, a Formula One that doesn't really relate to anything but just exists in its own bubble, which is what it was always like it, you know, since the beginning, it could go back down that route. And we'd end up with private teams with um, you know, right. specialist engines built by racing companies. But you wouldn't have the money coming in from the car manufacturers. Yeah. Which way is better?
0: I think the latter has its attractions, actually.
3: It does have its attractions, but it's, yeah, a, it's a completely different mindset and the sport wouldn't be churning through the, 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 the cash that it churns through now. Mm. And that's quite a hard habit to break.
0: Well, as you know, you're, you're dispatching me to speak to Mr Max Mosley this afternoon. I am. Gulp. Yes. <laughs> so perhaps I'll ask him. Well, he could
2: he could refound March, couldn't
0: he? He could.
2: He could, yeah. Why would he want to do that? for the new Formula 1. Oh, I Damien, see, yes. For the new Formula 1 that Damien's
0: just, just, just suggested. Excuse us, Can The Lee, new sorry. old Formula 1. <laughs> <coughs> okay, back to Lee McKenzie. Ivor Bourne. Ivor Bourne wants to know, Lee, whether you think women have the right mindset to compete at the highest level
1: in motorsport. Well, you would have to say yes. You otherwise, might. I'll become the most hated woman within women that there's ever been. Um, but... I mean, why not? And yeah, Jensen not? always says, when someone's asked these questions, there's always people that get asked there, Jensen always says, this isn't physical anymore. So if they're good enough to get there, they can get there. Hmm. Um, he and says it's not physical anymore. He, sa- he says it's not as... Fi- you know. It's, it, a woman isn't, isn't going to be disadvantaged right, okay. um, driving a, a Formula One car because... No, there was,
2: with power steering <laughs> and, power and stuff, lot, a yeah. lot, lot of the physical effort exactly. that might have separate, you know, been a differentiator in yeah, the past. It's not there, it is not there, yeah.
1: So, uh, you would have to say in that case, if there are actually no restrictions, right. then, then why not? Yeah. Um, but I am a great believer in women should only... But well, It doesn't matter what... I, you know, I'm not a fan of what I always call the token bird situation, whether it be drivers, whether it be journalists, whether it be people on camera or, or in any walk of life. Uh, and the same obviously applies to men, but obviously it's, it's normally women that, that this happens to. People should be there on merit, otherwise you end up doing a huge disservice to the people who are trying. Yeah. No,
2: I, I, I agree completely. And I have to say, when Bernie suggested, flippantly or otherwise, a few weeks ago, about you know, a woman's Formula One World Championship, one, one of the great things that should appeal, I think, in sport, um, about motor racing, as in equestrian events, is that they're, they're two of the few arenas where men and women can compete on an head. even on an even yeah. footing I mean you see, pl- see plenty of it in, in horse racing flat racing, yeah. steeplechasing, three-day eventing, whatever
0: yep.
2: um, we don't see as much of it as logically we perhaps should in motor racing mm. but I mean you look back to the Michelle Mouton in the early 80s yeah. in the World Rally Championship you know, there's nothing yeah. that stopped her winning World Championship Rally, she was great
0: Galitza, she was a hell of a skier mm. and a hell of a driver
2: yeah. I, yeah, she, I mean she was good, I mean Desiree Wilson was the one at that period who yeah. I think I mean she won World Championship sports car races she yeah. won a you know, she she was very, very good. I mean, but at the moment, the one who possibly... The woman racer who p- is probably best equipped is Simona Di Silvestro, yeah. who's, you know, running... Well, she's not racing, she wasn't racing at the weekend, but earlier in the season she had a fourth in the IndyCar series yeah. and she's had podiums in the past. Mm. You know, she has got something about her and I'd, I'd love to see her get a crack. I, I don't think the same about Carmen Yorda, who's three seasons yes. being four seconds off the pace in GP3 doesn't really... Merit,
1: um, And I, feel like I, and I don't wardrobe. know, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because she's obviously been offered that opportunity and who in their right mind, male or female, would say no to that? But the level of abuse that she has received because she was qualifying at the back of the grid Uh, in GP3. For three seasons. For three seasons. She then got out her car and Dean Stoneman put the same car in pole position the very next week. So, you know, I don't think people are knocking her uh, unjustly. I think there is a reason, and that would be male or female. She, she, you know, shouldn't be there as it were, but you can't uh, criticise her for taking an opportunity that Lotus have presented to her. Uh, and I think, and that's and that's the difficult one. You know, why would they? Why would Lotus offer that? Daughter? No, Lotus you know, deserves. They, the they c- are the ones that, in no, my eyes, deserve the, the no, no, abuse. No, no, I,
2: I agree. Com- I agree completely. Um, I agree. I'm just saying that you know, she doesn't. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the same disservice no, you were talking I, about before. Absolutely,
1: no, I, I um, do. I do and get that. And the,
2: and the fault is Lotus is not. Yeah, not Carmen Jordas, but uh,
1: um, but yeah, no, it's a good point about Simona. But she she drove the cyber a couple of times last year, but n- nothing really ever came of that. No, but we then, all fell. Th- apart but but the then they were drivers. a team with eight drivers. Well, so well, why it was, wouldn't
2: it? I think it was, I think it was nine drivers <laughs> in there. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. But it, but, it, but it's a shame. And the, um, I mean, there are one or two. I mean, Tatiana Calderon's doing European F3, and is sort of in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, Biteskavisa, a young Dutch girl who was dropped from the Red Bull program, uh, but is. Being given a chance in Renault 35 this year, she was went okay. At the opening round in Aragon, sort of um, was around top ten qualifying times. I have no so.
0: idea. You knew so many women, Simon. I, uh, I think it's racing
2: drivers, irrespective of gender, whether they've got two heads, whatever. <laughs> I just they're just racing drivers. Okay,
0: actually, it does there's another woman question here? I don't really like these actually, but anyway, this one comes from. Well, I just think it's a little bit, you know.
3: I, I agree with you, Rob. I know, I know but what
1: you're saying. Anyway, thanks for sending in your questions. Don't listen to Rob. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, thank you, Ian Miles, for the question. But Rob doesn't like it. Just have must have just a quick lesson in manners from Lee McKenzie. I used to get them from your father as well, actually. He used to say to me, You can't ask that. <laughs>
1: Watch me, bub. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, anyway, Ian Miles wants to know, how does Lee McKenzie find being one of the few women in the paddock? But there aren't there lots of women in the paddock? Yeah,
1: there are actually quite a lot. And then I always say something along the lines of, well, I hope it doesn't really matter. I mean, some drivers, you know, respond better to, yeah. to sort of women than others. But I have been bothering these people since the days of in some cases F3000, mm-hmm. certainly GP2, I've bothered some in A1GP, some in DTM, yes. so I actually think that, they <laughs> just think, oh God, is she still here with that bloody microphone? They don't even say, oh there's Lee, <laughs> or you know, they do notice it sometimes, that, that, you know, because I always shove on trainers, I'm always sprinting around Jeans, sometimes a pretty top. I don't, you know, wear dresses or anything in the pit lane. So when you do meet them out for dinner, they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. G- yes. you're a girl. So I wish I, I wish I should take as a compliment, but sometimes you just think, oh, for heaven's sake, you know. It's like newscasters yeah, have legs. Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> along those lines. But yeah, I have, um, I have known them, most of them. Um, Since before Formula One, apart from these terrifying people that have been born in the nineties, like Max Verstappen and things, that that can't be right, can it? You know, you couldn't have known these people before you started Formula One because you would have been at their christening. The
2: most terrifying thing about Max is that his dad is twelve years younger than I am, and I just how is that possible?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I have similar feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Even more so, I thought. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's come back to um let's come back to 2015 Grand Prix racing and uh, we've had the news that Williams has posted a loss we uh, hear of 34 odd million pounds um does that surprise you in the sense that you know if they can't make money how on earth are the smaller teams supposed to survive?
1: Yeah, but they're a team who actually turned things around massively in the last few yeah. years so I'm not quite sure how much they've had to out to to be able to bring back was that also including was that Grand Prix or was that including everything well, that they it, do because they've got so many other different things I know, going on I, th- I don't know exactly but I, I don't think it's easy for any team in term you know to, to try and make money, which teams in Formula One actually make money? Well, of course, Williams, right. as
0: as you just inferred, is uh, has many many companies under one yeah, roof. Yeah,
1: they have Grand Prix Holdings, which is yeah, yeah. bits for Formula E and things for Jaguar yeah. and all sorts. And the
0: Advanced Engineering Company is very very successful, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's it's a yes, brilliant exactly. brilliant new technology company. So I don't I, can't, I I don't know the detail. I hope I'm not doing Williams. But I
1: wonder. Uh, but you know, they have had to turn things around massively. They've brought a lot of new personnel in. Don't come. Cheap, um, so I wonder how much they put out to, to be able to get back. I'm not acquainted with these huge amounts of money, so for me it's all a bit. It's strange, isn't it? Money at that that just yeah. level seems virtual.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, no, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm upset if I lose twenty-five pounds, let alone you know million pounds. So I've heard. Yeah. <laughs>
3: on the subject of Williams, just back to sort of performance. What's the um, what mood have you gauged at the team this year? Given that last year they were so close to winning a race, and this year, you know, they're taking a step back, really.
1: And not just a ra- the last race of last year to have two drivers on a podium, and then to turn up in Australia was tough. Not to have Valtteri racing, I think, mm. w- was difficult. I think he's been performing really well since he's come back. But so has so is Massa. He seems to have yeah. stepped up again. Has, um, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely frustrated. They, they need to be doing an awful lot of work as we sit here and chat to try and close that gap down to, to Ferrari. And they need to use these brakes. But, you know, Ferrari will be doing exactly the same. I'm not quite sure where they've, uh, where they've lost it in comparison to where Ferrari's gained it. But hopefully they'll be back at, at circuits like Barcelona, where they've gone well in the past. Austria, they go well. So, It's well,
2: funny, though, that we're talking about Williams with a kind of a negative slant. I mean, a couple... Of Know, 2011 or something. If you'd seen that Williams was the third best team on the grid, everyone would have been going, "Wow!" Exactly. But it's all—it's all, it's all just relative to the fantastic year they had last yeah. year. That's all.
1: 2013, I think they had what was it, their toughest year that they'd had yeah. before. Yes. Yeah. You know, they, so the fact that they had that incredible turnaround, but people have short memories, don't they? Now they've—they've uh, they've tasted that champagne, they want it all the time, and yeah. I suppose we should be happy that they're—they're they're able to mix it up and maybe get in the way of a, a Mercedes or two.
2: Yeah. I mean, even though they've gone a little bit back. Things are a lot, lot better yes, generally than, than, they w- than they have been for quite some time.
1: How, how far
0: ahead do you think Mercedes actually are? I mean, are they are they cruising a bit, or because if they're not, they haven't got. I mean, within a few races, hopefully, we you know they're, they're not running away with it, or are they? Do you think?
1: Well, there were signs. You can't say glimmers of hope when two people have brake by wire problems in Bahrain, <laughs> but you have to think of it like that. That, you know, the times where it didn't go overly well for Mercedes last year were either because their drivers were sort of getting in the way mm-hmm. of each other and it still worked out well for one of them normally, mm-hmm. or they had a problem like in Canada that affected both cars at the same time. Yeah. And there was a little glimmer of that in Bahrain, wasn't there, that when all of a sudden yeah. um, that both cars got exactly the same problem at exactly the same time. So. I don't know. I mean they even when they don't finish free practice one and two mm. uh on a Friday because they're trying something different and they finish in fifteenth and sixteenth like they did in Bahrain, they still blast him. Yeah. You know, Lewis is still getting the car and being four tenths ahead of Sebastian on a Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. I don't think they're in trouble.
2: I mean there there have been a couple of times in the races when you know, Lewis has been tooling around at such and such a pace. And then just every so often if Nico gets Called in first or whatever because to cover Sebastian, and then Lewis just puts his foot, and suddenly yeah. there's another half second just yeah. materializes just Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. So, yeah, that. so I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. whether you could do a whole race at that kind of sustained pace, I don't know, but
1: uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're
2: without I think running out of fuel. Yeah, they, they still have something in the tank, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think Lewis certainly does.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking as somebody who does not have a dish attached to the side of my house, okay. I would like to know about. Formula One on the BBC. Um, How safe is Formula One on the BBC, do you think? Are we going to be able to go on watching it? And um, if not,
1: what? Well, that's a very optimistic question that I might know the answer because I didn't know, and nobody did, uh, that we'd lost the rights until we'd lost the rights to have every race live. So I remember coming down for breakfast in Hungary and whatever race, uh, whatever year that was, was that 2011? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and seeing my boss sort of standing behind a yucca plant and I thought, oh, he's not meant to be here. And, and that's when we were told. And then we just had to go into the track and get on with their work. So these things we tend to find out when everybody else finds out mm. or with half an hour's notice. Um, I would absolutely hope the BB- BBC1 say they're totally committed to Formula 1 the viewing figures that they get you know can be 5 million for a highlights race in Bahrain or something like that which is incredible it is. um and Abu Dhabi I think we had a was it 8.9 or oh 9.8 no million people to watch Lewis Hamilton. You don't get programmes bringing in uh, things like that anymore. It's not like when 12 million people used to watch Coronation Street or something. So you'd have to hope that if viewing figures do matter to the corporation that they would stick with us. Because week in, week out, we can get... The fact they're showing... When we're live, I present Free Practice 1, 2 and 3 on BBC 2. And we will get more for Free Practice 3 on a Saturday morning uh, when we're live, yeah. then Sky will get for their race coverage. Now that's just—you know—that's nothing detrimental about Sky's coverage. No, that's sure, just sure. what the BBC yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, but the fact—I mean, some. This might be some people that have forgotten to tell the, turn the television off after watching, you know, <laughs> escape to the country for the 100th time or something. I don't but think so. But but people do watch us, and the fact that they're committed enough to put on Free Practice 1, 2 and 3, and now we've got a programme called, uh, I think it's called Grand Prix Rewind, it is where great. Murray Walker looks back at uh, different uh, races with Susie Perry, and, and that's lovely. So they're actually putting more yeah, Grand know, Prix racing great. on know, uh, terrestrial television, which is lovely. So you'd have to think that they are committed, um, you know, and personally, I can only hope that they are
0: and course to seven in the middle of the world news as well, I mm. like it. it's all good Yeah the,
1: and, and Inside F1 uh, is a programme I do every Friday and Saturday night from a, a racetrack and that goes out on the BBC News Channel yeah, within yeah. their sports day and you know yeah. football and everything maybe gets five minutes and we get to do ten minutes from yeah. a track with a Toto wolf or a Nico Rosberg yeah. or you know Max Verstappen or, or anyone who has the misfortune to walk past me when I'm on air, I'll grab and it's <laughs> and, and that's lovely and because you it see is. it from a different perspective
0: It's
3: good, it's good. One of the interesting things about the BBC a friend of mine who works there told me this that um, even in this day and age where access to, the, to channels is so easy, if you haven't got Sky Dish, you got free view boxes and what have you, the power of BBC One is still significant. You still get for the same programme shown on BBC One or BBC Two, you always get a bigger viewership on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. On one. I mean, wh- I remember when the Great British Bake Off went from BBC Two to BBC One, that was seen as its crowning mm. moment. BBC mm. Two is a little bit edgy and cool. You sort you know, you're the sort of uh, not the most popular kid at school but you know you're quite cool you're sort of the indie person whereas bbc one you're out there for everyone and yeah. it gets a huge inherited audience as well amazing which is, it is yeah. bizarre isn't it It's one flick it's of button, it's not, no. but i think that will become less important people now watch uh, watch online and they stream things and they've got apps on to be able to sort of yeah, enhance yeah. their overall viewing experience which you know I don't know. I'm not really one of those people. No, no well,
0: mine. Most of us
2: have still only got two eyes. So it's, yeah, they're, 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 I do find it odd that people have you know, got a stack of iPads and seem to be watching you know, yeah. 15 different things at once.
0: Of course, we, we have a global audience for this, for this show, for the Motorsport Magazine podcast. Uh, many, many, many people from many different countries. So if you're listening to this conversation about the BBC, I hope that some of you get the BBC coverage. And if you don't, I hope that you're getting your Formula One coverage without having to pay too much money for
1: it. And I will also say something as well. People seem to get very annoyed when uh, people talk about, you know, we, we mentioned the Sebastian and Lewis feature, and then they go and watch it, or they try to watch it, and it comes up and says, not available in your country. Mm-hmm. That is actually, because I get shouted at a lot by, by uh, nameless individuals on social right. media, um, but that's not a BBC issue. That's a Formula One... Uh, yes. management, geo-blocking issue. So anything which is filmed yeah. within the confines of a racetrack can only be showed in the country that has the rights. So we are the British rights holders. So people in uh, Germany aren't meant to be able to watch that. They always have their ways because they actually, because RTL and Sky Deutschland are paying an awful lot of money to have Formula One. And that is the reasoning that, we, that sometimes people abroad um, yeah. can't actually watch yeah, the BBC it's coverage. Yeah. And it is really frustrating, but that yeah. is the caveat. So sorry world
3: you you must be able to see in your position how much potential there is to what you could do oh. if there weren't all these stupid rules and regulations absolutely yeah.
1: Mm. yeah absolutely i mean there's so many things that we just can't do well especially bearing in
0: mind that if you love football like i do wherever you are in the world you can watch the football mm. <laughs> it's one of the joys of when you get bored on holiday there's always yeah. a football match anywhere, anywhere. you know i mean it's fantastic and w- we, why can't we have that actually we don't want to go here do we no, I don't, I don't... Do we want to get into the complexities of the commercial rights and... and
2: uh, it's a point, I mean, when, when I was covering all the Grand Prix's, I mean, it, it was always quite nice on a, a, a race in Asia somewhere on a Saturday evening, you could just sit down with a glass of wine and watch Premiership football yeah. in, Sing- in Singapore and Malaysia without having to pay for it, whereas yeah. back home, yeah. I would have to pay for it.
1: Yeah. But the other thing, it's, it's a funny one, because last year, I've never experienced this because I'm normally at the races and having a, a lovely time, but I missed Germany and Hungary last year for the Commonwealth Games. And we weren't live in Germany. And it's, it was hard. I was th- and I w- didn't have Sky because I was zooming around all the time. Yeah. So I, I watched uh, RTL. Yeah. And I was able to watch it, but yeah. I did have to uh, sort of try and hack in and change VPNs and all other things, yeah. which I don't even know what they stand for. Mm. And, um, and it was, it's not easy. And I, I saw it for the first time from a different... Uh, Point of view because I was in a hotel trying to prep, and I thought, well, I'll just stick the F1 on. I mm. thought, how am I meant to watch it? I don't have Sky. Um, no, no. BBC aren't live. It's not easy. So no. I do have sympathies for people. I watched I
0: watched Jensen Button win the World Championship on RTL in a hotel. Did you? It, with German commentary, mm. obviously. Yeah. But I got I got the I got the gist. <laughs> of yeah.
1: <what's> <laughs> he won. Yes. In case you didn't realise that translation, he actually won. It was. 2009, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It? Oh, yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> let's, finish on, uh, wh- let's finish on one final question. And, and it's completely inevitable, this question, but I think it'd be fun to hear your answer. And um, it comes from Colin Keenan, and he wants to know, Lee McKenzie, who, in your opinion, is the out-and-out fastest driver in Grand Prix racing and who is your personal favourite?
1: Mm. <laughs> uh, you would have to say... At the moment Lewis Hamilton is out-and-out out fastest yeah. driver. Uh, would Fernando Alonso be the out-and-out out fastest driver if he was in that car? I don't know. I think he is an incredible talent and it does frustrate me uh, that we haven't been able to see him hopefully mm. do what he was meant to do, but maybe, did he have a We Ferrari? will, we will. But uh, hopefully, yeah, we will. Uh, favourites is always a difficult one. Because I'm not really Come allowed favourites. Uh, I would have to say, <laughs> r- really, uh, Sebastian. <laughs> Jensen. I mean, I have no problem at all with Lewis. I get on really well with Lewis and we have some lovely interviews. Um, but Lewis, quite rightly so, has to just protect himself uh, from media intrusion. So he can be sometimes a little bit distant. But where Lewis is really strong is it when he sits down with a Sebastian or a Sterling Moss yeah. like we did last week. And then he's like, a, a, when he's with someone like Sterling, he's like a little boy again, yeah. you know. So I think um, I'm, I'm lucky in that I have good relationships with all the drivers. Kimi has a difficult nut to crack, let's say. Um, and, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a difficult person to even get a mic to to interview. He's very talkative in the car, but he's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, so, we don't always get the opportunity to interview him because he'll literally come in, do the Finnish journalists and yeah. sprint out. So, um, but in terms of looking forward to, p- to listening to people, and the same <coughs> with Fernando, actually, I, I like speaking to him because he can say things that he's just definitely not meant to say. Yeah. You know, he loves nothing more than having yeah. that sort of twinkle in his yeah. eye and completely blowing whichever team he's driving for at the time out the water and then just leaving the press officers yeah. flustered in the background to pick up the pieces. <laughs> so. um, but maybe the, the people that I've mentioned come with uh, experience you know, they, they know how to play the game as much as anyone. So, But certainly, you know, Sebastian Jensen would probably be the two that I look forward to sitting down with.
3: We had a letter um, uh, recently, which is I think it was in one of the recent issues of the magazine, from someone saying that, how can these guys be interesting people when they, all they've done, someone like Max Verstappen, all he's done, he's 17 years old, he's not, not lived, and all he's done is live racing, he hasn't got any sense of perspective. But I, I think it's a bit harsh on these guys. They're, they're, I think in, in a different era they'd be just as interesting as the drivers in the past. It's, it's more the the confining nature of the sport these days, isn't it, rather than the actual characters? Yeah, I
1: mean, that is an interesting point, though, because I do maybe think that that's how people saw Lewis and Max. They were sort of kind of hothoused uh, to be Formula One drivers. And it's only recently, I think, that Lewis has been confident enough to show a little bit more of the person he is and he's getting an awful lot more life experiences so he doesn't shy away from the fact that he bought Prince's guitar for a ludicrous amount of money or something you know he's that's just who he is and that's fine and you either like it or you don't and I, I really like that about Lewis at the moment he's 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 true to himself he's so true to himself more so than we've seen before Um but that's where somebody like Mark Webber was fantastic because he'd walk past me and be like yeah. god Scotland we're." utter rubbish in the rugby again, weren't <laughs> they? Uh, hi, morning, Mark, thanks for that. Uh, but he actually had, there's not many drivers who have interests outside of Formula One, mm. and they are the people that become much more rounded. I mean, there is more to life than just beeping in and beeping out of a paddock Thursday to Sunday. Uh, and But I think the, the as I sort of said by the drivers I named, you, you only get that maybe through age and a bit of experience.
2: I d- not so sure with, with Seb, though, because I remember I first interviewed him when he was it was probably when he was a BMW reserve in 2007, wasn't it? And we, uh, I arranged an interview with him, and because um, he was easy to get hold of, mm. and um, we said that And within ten minutes of meeting him, we were chatting about Beatles vinyl yeah. and and stuff. He's always guess, been really yeah, good. that I mean, he, I mean, he's. I just thought what an interesting kid because he just he'd got so many odd experiences, which are just well not odd, but I mean odd for a odd for a young racing driver. Yeah. and he was just such a rounded. An interesting guy to talk to. I, yeah. it was, I could have spent most of the day chatting. Well, but I probably did, yeah. actually. Um, and I remember wearing a Beatles T-shirt to a race not long afterwards, and he was sitting... He was in the de Rosso by then. And he was sitting in the car, and he saw me walk past with a rubber sole T-shirt on, and his thumb you know, yeah. comes up, and he spotted it and you know clocked it. Beatles is
1: always a nice way to get a good interview with them. He used to get very excited, because he'd, uh, he'd see my dad, and if I was talking to him, he'd be like, Ah! Father Mackenzie. <laughs> because that was the one of the lyrics of My dad was like, you know, I've been around for ages. I went to Ayrton Senna's funeral and I've got some kid calling me Father Mackenzie. Like, no wonder he retired. I think he did enough by that point. That, so, yeah. is, brilliant. that
0: is brilliant. That is such a reassuring thing to hear about <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. You know, I, I, I thought, I've always thought I'd like him. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee McKenzie, for coming in today and your busy, busy schedule. And uh, when can we see Muss and Hamilton at Monza then?
1: I'm not quite sure. We'll okay. be talking about that. Maybe either Canada or I would quite like to use it at the British Grand Prix, yep. having uh, two British uh, yep. such stars alongside each other. And it was lovely. And Sterling was fabulous and lots of use of the word crumpet <laughs> and boy and other things that he was just uh, it's just stirring through and through
0: yep good uh, we all look forward to that and uh we look forward to your uh, reports on the website too of yep, course absolutely on the Mondays after the Grand Prix's when sometimes you're sitting in an airport feeling tired and <laughs> other times you're up and everything's fine good we like all that Um, Thank you very much to Ed Foster for putting uh, our little podcast together today, as usual, and to our esteemed editor, Damien Smith, who is here with us, and to Simon Aaron, and of course to Alan Hyde, who makes sure it's all uh, recorded and you can hear it. So we look forward to seeing you next time, and thanks for listening. Bye bye.
1: hando por dentro pra se força cai as tuquenas na